0: back to the Beck and Call podcast. I'm your host, Merit Beck. I am a longtime fashion blogger and a single woman in my thirties who loves to chat all things life, work, and love. So I wanted to bring that to life on this podcast. You can consider the Beck and Call podcast a weekly catch up with your internet bestie where I discuss recent recs and reviews, answer listener questions, and discuss fun, interesting topics relevant to women in their twenties, thirties, and beyond. Each episode follows the same structure with dedicated segments you can rely on week after week. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, hope you guys are having a nice week so far. I am actually recording this episode pretty far in advance, two weeks before Thanksgiving to be exact. I am going to be out of office for a while thanks to the Thanksgiving holiday, but also Immediately following that, I will be going to Europe with open invite trips, which if you listened to my London and Paris trip recap this summer, I talked all about open invite trips and what a great idea it is. And so I'm giving that a shot. And of course, I'll be sharing all of the details on that once the trip is over, but super excited about that trip. And I leave two days after Thanksgiving. Instead of taking podcast recording equipment with me, I thought it might be easier to schedule a few episodes out so I can have a bit of a holiday break. I won't be skipping any weeks this season, so you'll get a new episode all the way through the new year, which is exciting. But by recording these in advance, I won't have to record for a bit, so that'll be a nice break for me. I will be in Austin for a week over Thanksgiving, which I'm really looking forward to, and then I'll be taking 10 days off to visit Copenhagen, Amsterdam, and Paris, like I said, with open invite trips. And by the time you listen to this episode, I'll actually be at the tail end of my trip. But if you want to follow along on my travels, make sure you're following my personal Instagram account at Merit Beck. I'm sure I'll be posting stories daily, so definitely don't miss those. And then of course, when I'm back, I'll be doing a full recap of my trip and a review of the open invite trips group travel experience. So definitely stay tuned for those details. Since I'm recording this episode in advance, I don't have a weekend recap or any Rexen and reviews for you. So instead I'll be doing a long form Q and a episode to answer more of your questions. So a bunch of these questions were submissions from Instagram. And I also pulled a number of questions that I didn't get to the last time I did one of these Q and a episodes. So it's a fun mix of topics and I hope you guys will really enjoy it. Before we get into the Q&A though, let's do a little housekeeping and I wanted to share a few reminders. So if you need advice or have any questions for me to answer in future episodes, please call into the Beck and Call hotline at 214-620-0473 or email info at beckandcallpodcast.com. No topic is off limits and the hotline and email are both always open. I answer a few listener questions at the end of every episode, so definitely keep them coming. Next, please be sure to follow along on the Beck and Call Podcast Instagram page. I post a bunch of behind-the-scenes content there in addition to audio clips from the episodes, episode visual guides, guest details, and so much more. So it's a great place to get connected and keep up with what's going on in the podcast. I also share links to items that I talk about, so things that you might want to shop. That can be found on the Instagram account. And again, the handle is Beck and Call Podcast, so it's very easy to find. Finally, if you're enjoying the podcast and want to show your support this holiday season, there are a few super easy things you can do. So first, give Beck and Call a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts. It's a free and, like I said, very easy way to support the show, and those ratings and reviews go a long way. I read every single one, so thank you to those of you who have already done this, but I could always use more, so please consider doing that. The second thing you can do is to share the podcast with a friend, a sibling, a coworker, really anyone you think might be interested in these episodes. So growing a podcast is a very slow process and word of mouth recommendations are really the best way to spread the word about them. If you're not sure who to send it to, you could also just post a screenshot of an episode you're listening to, post it to your Instagram stories, and then tag the Beck and Call podcast page. Again, super easy, a free way to support. As always, thank you guys for the continued support of my content, both on here and on my blog and on my social channels. It means the world and I'm so grateful for your encouragement. Let's take a quick ad break before we get into the Q&A. this episode, I'm currently in Europe, but the second I get back to Dallas, my social calendar is sure to be filled to the brim with holiday parties and get togethers. Whether it's a casual cookie exchange with friends or a fancy cocktail party at my local private social club, I want to make sure I'm dressed to impress whatever the occasion. The easiest way to do that is to ensure my footwear is on point. And I know I've said this before, but one of my favorite things to buy is shoes. I think it instantly can transform an outfit from basic to amazing. So shoes are definitely the way to go. And when it comes to shoes, Mark Fisher is a go-to of mine, especially during the fall winter season. They have the best boots from casual lug soles for wearing with leggings and sweaters to chic heeled pointed toe boots for styling with leather pants and a pretty top. There's really a style for everyone and every occasion. The best boot silhouettes are both fashionable and functional, something that Mark Fisher does extremely well. A few styles that I love right now that are bound to be repeat offenders include the Mariel, the Kulika, the Gina, and the Fergus. All amazing ankle boot styles that can go from day to night and be styled so many different ways. I've personally been wearing the Kulika heels on repeat since I got them. They are such a flattering style and I love wearing them under my favorite crop flare and straight leg jeans. Build your fall wardrobe from the ground up. Visit markfisherfootwear.com and use code BEC20 to receive 20% off your entire purchase valid until January 10th, 2023. If you're like me, you may have avoided going to the doctor in the past simply because finding the right doctors and scheduling the appointments can be so tedious. But the new year is all about committing to being healthier and making better choices. So don't waste another day if you need to get in somewhere and ZocDoc is the key to an effortless experience. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Whether you need to get a mole checked, straighten your teeth, or fix an achy back, ZocDoc has you covered. Using the ZocDoc app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery to your house. Search, find, and book doctors with just a few taps. Go to ZocDoc.com slash beck and call and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's zocdoc.com slash beck and call. ZocDoc.com slash beck and call. All right, let's get into this Q&A. So the first question is, what are you looking forward to most about your Europe trip? So I'm very excited to visit Copenhagen as it's been on my list for a while. I've never been to any of the Scandinavian countries and I've always wanted to go. There are so many places there that I want to see, and it just seems kind of like a hard trip to do by yourself because it's a lot of different flights. You can take the train, but it's like five hours each way if you're going to the different countries, and so I just have never been yet. And when I saw that Open Invite Trips was doing a Copenhagen part of their trip, I was like, that is going to be my opportunity to check it out, and so I'm so excited to see Copenhagen. I've already been to Amsterdam twice and Paris a bunch of times, but I've never been to them during the holiday season. So that will be lovely. But in terms of what I'm most looking forward to overall is actually just trying out the open invite trips experience. As I mentioned in that London and Paris trip recap in June, I thought this small group travel for women was a a genius idea, especially for women who want to get out there and travel the world, but don't want to do it alone. While I enjoy traveling solo, I thought this would be a fun way to mix it up and make some new friends with similar interests. You never know. Maybe some of these friends that I make may travel with me in the future, not even on a group trip. So um, I just thought it was a great idea. I love that they are bringing women together to encourage them to travel no matter their life stage or what's going on. So really excited about that. And I can't wait to share all of the details with you guys when I get back. Okay, the next question, it's not really a question, but somebody said, I would love to hear about your packing process. I am fairly meticulous about how I pack, mostly because I'm used to shooting outfits while I'm at the destination. So with that in mind, I kind of have to pre-plan each outfit down to the handbags and shoes before I pack. What I usually do is grab all of the items I'm considering taking and I put them on a clothing rack to separate them out from the other items in my closet. I'll then go through that rack, trying on various outfits made up of the pieces I've chosen. So this will help me, one, weed out unnecessary items or things that I might only wear one time, and also identify pieces that I need that I didn't think about before. For longer trips, I try to get at least two wears out of everything I pack, if not more. Obviously, the longer the trip, the more I'll need to rewear things, but I really try to get a lot of wear out of the things that I take so I don't overpack. Once I've figured out my outfits and what I'm packing, I'll try each outfit on with accessories and take photos of each outfit on my phone. Just mirror selfies. It's very simple. But I'll save these photos to an album and reference the pictures on my trip so I don't forget about any outfits or take something and not wear it. I'm very good about that. So as far as how I physically pack my suitcase, it changes every trip depending on how much space I have. Sometimes I roll items, sometimes I've stuffed shoes and boots with underwear and socks and workout clothes. Other times I use packing cubes. It totally depends on the season, how long the trip is, what kind of clothes and shoes I'm packing for the trip, etc. cetera. So this trip, I'm checking one piece of luggage, carrying on my CalPAC Luca duffel, and I'm either going to take a tote or a backpack as my second kind of personal carry-on. I'm planning to take my laptop and my DSLR camera, both of which are heavy and take up quite a bit of space, and I'll be putting my makeup and toiletries in my carry-on as well. I also plan to take a couple of my nicer handbags on this trip since it's a group trip and I'm not traveling alone, so I'll want to carry those on too. I may have to do some creative maneuvering to get everything to fit, but uh, hopefully it all works. Hopefully I'm able to keep it all together and not overpack. I'm sure I'll post about this on Instagram. So by the time you hear this, you'll probably have already seen how I packed, but (laughs) what's one city you visited, but would never live in and why Hong Kong. So (laughs) it's probably my least favorite place I've ever visited. And I'm honestly not sure I'd ever want to go again. To be fair, when I went to Hong Kong, it was at the tail end of a two week trip to Japan. So I was already ready to go home and I had such a great experience in Japan And then when we got to Hong Kong, the vibes just weren't for me. So it just, it was hard to do that because I was comparing everything to Japan and Japan was such a wonderful experience. We loved the food. The people were nice. It was clean. And then you get to Hong Kong and it's honestly a little dirty. There's no personal space. People will just run into you in the street and not apologize or even notice you're there. The food wasn't that great. We just, uh, we didn't love it. And like I said, uh, I just didn't have the best experience there, but I have friends who love Hong Kong. It just wasn't for me. So Japan, on the other hand, is absolutely wonderful, and I would actually live there. I'm not sure how long I'd be able to live there, but it's it would be so fun to do like a year or two in Japan. It's just such a cool place. All right. Marry, fuck, or kill sweet potatoes, stuffing, or green bean casserole? This is a good one. So this episode will be coming out after Thanksgiving, but I'm recording it before. So my mouth is already watering, thinking about all the things I'm going to be eating in the next couple of weeks. But to make this FMK work for me, though, I'm going to have to change it just a little bit to what my family makes on Thanksgiving. So it would need to either be sweet potato casserole. So not just sweet potatoes, but our sweet potato casserole. My mom's dressing, which is what we call stuffing and green bean casserole. Now, I love green bean casserole, but I'm also of the belief that I can eat it outside of Thanksgiving. I actually made it this summer, and it hit the spot. It's just kind of the perfect year-round comfort food. It's really easy to throw together. So in this case, I'm going to kill green bean casserole because I don't think of it as an only Thanksgiving Day meal. I'm going to have to F with my mom's dressing. It is so freaking good, but after stuffing my face with it, for lack of a better phrase... Uh, on the day of Thanksgiving and days after, if I'm being honest, I just don't want any more of it. Like I'm good having it once a year. I don't need it any more than that. It's just one of those flavor profiles that is so savory and so delicious. But with all of the different herbs and things in there, I get sick of it eventually. You know how there are just some things that you only want to eat a couple of times and then you need like a long break from it. That's sort of how I am with dressing. But you know what I never get sick of? Sweet potato casserole. So my mom always has served this as a side at Thanksgiving, but it might as well be a dessert the way we make it. So it features a crumbly mixture of brown sugar, a ton of butter, and chopped pecans that are spread thickly atop the mashed sweet potatoes, which also include a lot of butter and brown sugar. So it is super sweet, and I love that crunch on top. Honestly, it's really good with ice cream. (laughs) It's good by itself. It's so delicious, and it's something I look forward to every year. I actually prefer the sweet potato casserole to any of the pie options for dessert. We always have pumpkin pie, pecan pie, usually a third dessert, but I always go back for more sweet potato casserole. It's my absolute favorite. In the beginning, did you ever regret getting Reese's? If so, why? If you followed me in 2020 when I got my dog Reese's, you'll likely recall the meltdown I had on my Instagram stories. It was about a week in after I got her and I barely slept at all. She cried every night. And the best I got that week was probably three to four hours a night. And y'all, I am someone who sleeps upwards of eight or nine hours a night regularly. So three to four hours just wasn't cutting it. And it was the first time I'd ever had serious sleep deprivation. And it was probably just over a week when I kind of hit a wall and I definitely cracked. (laughs) Like I totally cracked. Couple that up with the fact that I'd been isolated for over eight weeks, thanks to lockdowns, and then I felt like I had to be on 24/7 watching her to make sure she didn't pee or poop anywhere inside, eat something she wasn't supposed to, and all of that. And I was doing it all by myself. I feel like a lot of times when people get dogs, they get them with a boyfriend or get them with when they have kids who can help contribute. But I was doing it by myself. I had been isolated and probably a little mentally unstable from being locked down for so long. So. By the end of that first week, I was exhausted, I was overwhelmed, and as a control freak, I felt totally out of control. I sobbed for hours the day I shared that social media. I only shared like a short snippet. I think I talked on the um, stories for a few minutes, but honestly, I was sobbing for hours offline. I talked to my mom, I talked to my friends, I talked to my sister, and several of them suggested that I give her back. And I'm sure many of you are like, this sounds ridiculous. It's just a dog. What could be so hard about that? But the lack of sleep really messed with me. And I think I had some sort of like situational depression happening because of that. My mom and sister, like I said, both suggested I reach out to the breeder and see if I could give her back. But at that point I'd already shared her on social media and I wasn't about to do that. i wouldn't have given her back, but it really did seem tempting because I was just like in such a bad place after that first week. So I would say I regretted getting her probably that first whole full month I had her. Each month after that got easier, but having a dog is a huge responsibility and I feel like people don't talk about it enough. And I, and I think I've mentioned this on a different episode when talking about her, but when this happened to me, like when I got her and had this kind of mental breakdown, I realized why dogs get sent to the pound all the time. Like people, it's first of all they're expensive. That's one thing. And you don't know what kind of health issues they're going to deal with. But like the responsibility and having to watch them all the time and it's just it's just a lot and you When you think about getting a puppy, you're like, oh, it's just going to be a cute, fun thing that's going to be nice for me to have. And it's like, no, it's basically like getting a child, but yet you don't have that immediate emotional attachment you do like you would with a baby that you give birth to or adopt or whatever. So when I first shared that kind of meltdown on Instagram, I received more DMs than I ever have before. Like I still will get messages from people and see that they sent me something that I never saw because there were just so many, I couldn't go through them all. And people were sharing so many sweet words of of encouragement, saying they could relate. That was also the first time I'd ever heard the phrase puppy blues, which you can Google and is a very common thing people experience when getting a dog for the first time. I even had a lot of moms reach out and say, raising a puppy can sometimes be harder than raising a child simply because of that lack of immediate emotional attachment to the animal, like you do with your child. So um, it's a lot of responsibility with. A little reward in the beginning. And I'm sure this experience is different for everyone, but as a type A control freak who really has never had much responsibility and had all the freedom, I've lived alone for a long time. I can travel on a whim. Getting a dog changed all of that. So it was a really big reality check for me and honestly made me reconsider whether I want to have children. With that said, I love my dog. I'm so glad I have her, but it is such a big responsibility. And I think people need to think about that, especially if you're single and child free and you have the ability to travel and be spontaneous and don't want to be hindered by kind of making sure the dog is okay. So like I still, when I go out all day, I have to come back and let her out in the middle of the day. I can't just like leave her at home. And I know this might not be a big deal to some of you, but it's it really is if you're somebody who travels and is busy and is doing things and is spontaneous. So it's always just something to think about. And again, I don't regret getting her now, but it was it was a process. It took me a long time to really get used to it and get comfortable with the idea. But she's my little bestie now. We have the best time. She is still crazy. Brad of Bevel Dog Behavior helps me with her. But um, yeah, so that was my experience. And if you do get a dog, just do a lot of research make sure you have help. (laughs) It's hard to do by yourself. And yeah. What is your hair care routine at home? Do you have any best practices to keep your hair healthy? So one of the things that I do that I feel like helps because I have such fine hair and I highlight it. So it's often dry is I try to only shampoo my hair two to three times a week. Uh, This helps keep the color looking good. It helps keep my hair from drying out because detergent and shampoos can do that. I sweat a lot when I work out and I work out almost every day. So I rinse my hair practically every day, but I only shampoo and condition a couple times a week. As far as products go, I'm currently switching between way fine hair shampoo and conditioner and this L'Oreal Ever Pure Purple shampoo and conditioner, which helps keep the brassiness at bay. When you have blonde hair, it can kind of turn yellow after a while. So the purple kind of acts as a toner like they do in a salon. It's not as effective, but it can help. I generally don't use a lot of hair product aside from shampoo and conditioner. I do have a heat protectant, which I'll use before I use my curling iron, but because it's so fine and gets weighed down really easily. Like I really don't use mousse. I don't use hairspray. I don't use other thickening agents. I just try to keep it pretty simple and the less product, the better, even at a salon when they spray stuff, I find that my hair isn't, you know, looking its best. I also try not to curl my hair more than a couple of times a week. I do use my Dyson hairdryer almost daily, but I don't put it on the highest heat setting. So I try to limit the heat tools that I use. I try to limit the amount I'm shampooing it, but generally I just, I don't know. I'm pretty lazy about skincare, hair, and beauty. So the simpler the routine, the better. Can you share some of your favorite books? Yes. So the following are some of my favorite reads from the last few years. I actually went through my Amazon <laughs> digital orders because I feel like I've read a lot of, or listened to a lot of audiobooks in the last like five or so years. So it's a decent mix of genres with several thrillers, memoirs, a romance novel, and a couple outliers in sci-fi and just kind of enjoyable fiction. So here are my top favorite books from recent years. Verity by Colleen Hoover. The Push by Ashley Audrain, The Idea of You by Robin Lee, The Housemaid by Frida McFadden, Token Black Girl by Danielle Prescod, The Hotel Nantucket by Elin Hildebrand, Queenie by Candice Cardi Williams, Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir, Educated by Tara Westover, and The Last Black Unicorn by Tiffany Haddish. So some of these are good thrillers. Some of them are funny. But these are the ones that really popped up to me when I was thinking about which ones I loved the most. So hopefully that's a good list. I'll be sure to add this list to the Instagram episode visual guide. I'll also put this in the show notes if you want to check that out. And then, of course, my all-time favorite series is Harry Potter. I read them so many times growing up. I lost count over the years. I also own the audiobooks in case I get a hankering to listen to them. (laughs) I do it sometimes when I have road trips. Um, It's just like nostalgic for me. I loved the movies. I loved the books. It, I grew up with it. I'm inviting a guy as my date to an out-of-town wedding. Should we stay in the same hotel room or get different rooms? If different, do I pay for both since I invited him to stay? So this is a great timely question, and one I feel I'm actually able to answer considering I just did this. My friend Nick was my date to Liza's wedding a few weeks ago, and before I even knew who I was going to take to the wedding, I booked an Airbnb in town, which luckily had two bedrooms because then I would have been SOL. There are a couple of hotels in Fredericksburg, but the one I had originally wanted to stay in was fully booked already. The Airbnb seemed like the next best thing. So it was sort of the best case scenario actually because we could hang out together in the living room, but then we had our own rooms to retreat to at the end of the night and to get ready and all of that. But to answer your question, unless y'all are like totally comfortable changing and showering in the same room, I'd probably book separate rooms. And yes, I would say if you're inviting him, you should pay for them. If he offers to pay you back or wants to pay for his own room, great. But since you invited him and y'all are not romantically involved, the onus is sort of on you to pay for the rooms. But like I said, the Airbnb situation was kind of the best. So if you're going somewhere where an Airbnb would be possible, that was kind of awesome because of having that shared living space and then having our own rooms that was great. We could just hang out. But um, if it is a hotel, then obviously pay for those rooms and maybe he'll pay you back. Maybe he'll offer to split it, but I would go ahead and reserve rooms and put them on your credit card. Do you have any regrets in life? I'm struggling thinking about how things might've been different. So sometimes I wish I'd put more effort into dating when I was in my twenties. The only reason I say that is because as a woman in your thirties, Oftentimes, men look at you as a ticking time bomb for kids or someone desperate to lock something down, even if that's not the case. It's unfortunate, but it's often true. Instead, I focused very heavily on my career. I spent years creating content, traveling every other week, and when I was in town, I just wanted to hang out with my friends. With that said, I don't regret putting that time into my job because I wouldn't be where I am now without doing that. But sometimes there is a cost when you devote all of your time to one thing. You may be leaving something on the table. Now, that's not to say I'm never going to meet somebody or if you're in your 30s, you're never going to meet somebody. My friends meet people all the time crying to date. It's just it's hard. (laughs) It's hard to commit to stuff when you're in and out of town and constantly working. But I, I do wish that I'd been more open to dating more in my 20s because I do find the dating process even more frustrating now as I am in my thirties. Would you be up for living in NYC for the right person or would you split time between Texas and NYC? For sure. So the ideal scenario for me would be to split time instead of fully moving there. Just because I think going from living in a big home to moving into really small quarters full time would be really hard. I mean, I've been living alone and Texas, you know, has just more, (laughs) You get a little more bang for your buck here than you do in New York. So I'm pretty spoiled now. And I think it would be really hard for me to have to just condense my life into a small apartment after living in an actual house. So ideally, I'd have a larger home in Texas and an apartment in New York. I've said this before, but if I had all of the money in the world, I'd have a home in Texas, a place in New York, and a place in London. Probably a pipe dream, but a girl can dream. Is there an influencer you would like to become friends with just based off of following them? Yes, there are probably many, but one that I always think of is things I bought and liked. Even though she's anonymous, her personality shines through all of her colorful commentary on everything she loves and shares. She just seems genuinely witty, funny, kind, generous. I just think she'd be really fun to hang out with. I always wondered if she was somebody I came across when I was living in Houston. (laughs) I'd love to find out who she is. But she's one of my very favorite follows and somebody, if she ever was not anonymous, I'd love to become friends with her. When going to fashion events, how do you decide what to wear? Do you wear the designer the event is for? So it totally depends. If I already own something by the designer and it makes sense for that event and is in season during the event, then yes, I'll wear it. But I'm not going to force it if it's not the right occasion or the time of year for what I have. And I definitely wouldn't just go buy something just to wear it to their event. Um, For example, I recently went to the Brunello Cuccinelli event with Neiman Marcus. I've talked about this on the podcast. And before this summer, I never owned anything from Brunello Cuccinelli. The only thing I've ever purchased was a sweater. And it was at the outlet mall in California. Uh, Still very expensive, let me tell you. But it was a major discount from the original price but I wasn't sure it was going to be cold enough to wear the sweater. And so I didn't wear it to the Brunello event and I just wore something else that was Western since that was the theme. So the answer is yes, sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. It just totally depends on whether I already have something and it makes sense for that time of year and the particular event. How would you deal with a friend who gets a boyfriend and is no longer available? So I definitely think I've been this friend in the past, specifically with my college boyfriend. He was like my first real boyfriend. I had my own friends for sure, but we definitely ended up hanging out with his friends more than we hung out with mine, mostly because I just wanted to spend as much time with him as possible. As you guys know, quality time is my love language. And he, of course, wanted to hang out with his friends. So I just was always hanging out with him with his friends. It can be so easy to get swept up in a new romance and want to spend all of your free time with that love interest, which means probably we'll see your friends less. And this definitely happens when friends get married and start having kids too. It's certainly not specific to starting a new relationship, but if it's something you're bothered by, I would bring it up with your friend. It doesn't have to. You don't have to make it a big deal, but the next time you're able to have a one-on-one conversation with her or see her in person... I would definitely say something like maybe I'm so happy for you that you found a great guy that you like and want to spend a lot of time with him, but I feel like I haven't seen you that much lately and I would love to change that. You could also suggest maybe I'd love to get to know him more. So maybe we can all grab drinks or dinner one night soon. That way you're showing interest in her new relationship and new man, but also being honest that you want to spend more time with her like you used to. With all of that said, this is very common and certainly becomes more common as you progress through various life stages. Friends in different life stages just become less available. That's just what happens. You may go through ebbs and flows with certain people. And usually it's temporary. Like I have a couple of friends who are pregnant. I don't see them as often because they're tired and they're also working and they have a lot going on. But we still make an effort to hang out when it makes sense. So in this case, if you stop seeing your friend as much, it may be an opportunity for you to expand your friend group to other single women or women in your life stage that you're in currently, just so you have more people to hang out with and don't re- you don't have to rely on those people that aren't as consistent as they used to be. So I, I wouldn't so much take it personally, just maybe express that to your friend in a nice way and say, I'd still love to see you maybe incorporate the new man into it, but also expand your own friend group. How has your style evolved over the years as you've been blogging? I would say it's matured and become far more streamlined. So back when I first started blogging, I would wear crazy color combinations, wild prints, and often go for more edgy styles, a lot of which I like look back on and I'm sort of embarrassed that I wore them. (laughs) So today I opt for more classic silhouettes, wearable neutrals, and mostly solids, things that I can wear repeatedly, style a bunch of different ways and wear year after year. As I spend more money on clothes these days than I did back then, I want my clothes to have a more timeless appeal so they last longer and the cost per wear is worth it. What do you do if you wake up in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep? This is a great question because it's something that happens to me quite a lot. Generally, what happens is I get up to go to the bathroom and then can't go back to sleep. Welcome to your mid-30s, ladies. In some cases, I'm tired enough and can fall back to sleep after a few minutes, but in others, I'm wide awake and I'm stirring. So I do think this has a lot to do with sugar consumption, whether it be from alcohol or eating sweets after dinner. For example, the leftover Halloween candy I've been consuming over the last week. It's rare this happens on a night I've had nothing to drink or nothing sweet. So it definitely feels consistent with my sugar theory. What I try to do is just put my eye mask back on to keep my eyes fully closed and then just try to stop thinking and lull myself back to sleep. But if after 10 to 15 minutes, I'm still stirring and feel wide awake, I'll check my phone to see what time it is. I definitely don't recommend doing that first because the light from your phone will wake you up more. But if I can't, if it's, if it's clear that I'm not going back to sleep, I'll look at my phone and depending on what time it is, I may turn the TV on to a show that could potentially put me back to sleep or I'll play or work on my phone if it's late enough that I'll actually be waking up in a little bit anyway. So sometimes I'll wake up at 4.30 or 5, and the chances of me going back to sleep are super slim because I normally wake up at 6 or 6.30. But if it's before 4 a.m., and a lot of times it'll be from like 2.30 to 4 is when I'll wake up. I'll turn on the TV and watch something for like 30 minutes, maybe an hour, and then I'll fall asleep again. I'll get sleepy again. So Sometimes I am up for more than an hour or just end up staying up, but oftentimes watching TV, I'll be lulled back to dreamland and can eventually fall back asleep. What is your favorite cocktail? It totally depends on the time of year. If you ask me during the summer, I'd say a ranch water, which if you're unfamiliar is a tequila, topo chico, and lime. I prefer Casamigos Reposado. It has kind of a subtle vanilla flavor to it. And then this time of year, I've been opting for a heavier red wine or an old-fashioned. I love a cherry. So either an old-fashioned with a cherry or a Manhattan, which I think always has a cherry. But I also love a dirty martini, but I kind of consider that a year-round beverage for me. And those are probably the cocktails and drinks that I order most when I'm out and about. Is it okay to wear fur if it's a hand-me-down from my mom or grandmother? So don't hate me for what I'm about to say. I feel like this topic is as polarizing as politics, but I grew up in Texas around guns and hunting, so real fur has never phased me. I say this knowing now that the fur trade has a lot of ethical issues and I definitely don't seek it out or buy it these days. Many retailers have in fact stopped selling fur completely. With that said, my grandmother and my mom wore fur all the time in the winter when I was growing up. And over the years, I've been gifted many a fur item. I'm not going to just throw them away. Uh, I definitely still wear them, but I don't seek it out or buy it. So if you don't wear it, it's just going to waste. So I say, wear it. Uh, You don't have to explain to people. I, I try to not, not flaunt it. Like oftentimes if I wear it, I don't post it on social media because I know how people feel about it. But if it's just hanging in my closet, it's going to waste. I'm not going to donate it because then somebody else will be wearing it. So just wear it if you have it already. How do you stay motivated to work out during the busy holiday season and while traveling? So I feel like I say this a lot, but when you make your workouts a habit, it doesn't feel like a chore. It just starts to feel like part of your morning routine. I try to do something active every single morning, even if it's just a walk outside. Start making movement a priority in your everyday life. And after a few months, it'll become a habit for you. And once it becomes a habit, you won't think of it as something extra or something you have to fit in where you can. It's just part of your routine. It might mean you have to start waking up an hour earlier each morning, but again, once you start doing things consistently, they'll become habits and you won't even think about it. It'll just be part of your morning routine. So when things are busy or I have less time, I'll either wake up earlier or not do as long of a workout. Not every day needs to be a super long, challenging workout. Some days are just easy walks with my dog or a 20 minute strength class on the Peloton app. Either way, I'm still moving my body. So I've consider that a win. As far as staying motivated when traveling, I mostly just want to maintain the progress I've made at home. So if I take a week or more off of working out, I feel it when I get home. It's so much more of a challenge for me to get back into working out after a long break from not working out than it is to fit in a few workouts when I'm traveling. I enjoy that working out is part of my routine. And although I may not do a workout every day on a trip, I try to fit in a few if I have time. For example, I actually looked up the hotels we're staying at in Copenhagen and Amsterdam, and both of them have small fitness centers. So while I'm sure I'll do plenty of walking around sightseeing, I'm planning to do a few 20 to 30 minute strength classes on the Peloton app at those hotels. I feel better when I work out than when I don't. So I always try to incorporate it into my schedule. I may have to wake up a little earlier than I'd like on some days on the trip, but that's just part of it. Plus, I love to indulge when I travel, so by working out, it kind of helps ward off any guilt I might have about the food I'm consuming. And before you jump down my throat, I know I shouldn't feel guilty about indulging on a fun trip, but that's just something I personally struggle with, and maintaining my workouts keeps me feeling balanced in that regard. Do you set New Year's resolutions and goals? I do and I don't. I like the idea of resolutions, but truthfully, unless they're super specific, I find them hard to stick to. For example, eating healthier is a great resolution, but in reality, that's kind of open to interpretation person to person and one you can kind of easily slide off of. Instead, if I'm going to set a resolution, I want it to have clear rules I can try to adhere to. So, for example, no alcohol during the work week. So, no alcohol Monday through Thursday or no sweets or dessert after dinner when I'm cooking at home. I'm such a, I have such a sweet tooth and I'll reach for anything. I'll eat chocolate chips. I'll eat anything out of the freezer. I'll eat leftover Halloween candy, anything that's sweet in my house. I'll make a dessert out of it. So that would be a great goal for me to have. Uh, But like I said before, I prefer clear cut guidelines versus general goals. I haven't really thought about what I'd like to do going into the new year, but I'm feel like I've done pretty well this year in terms of drinking less overall. I know I made a comment about that earlier on this year that I felt like I was drinking too much at the start of the year. And I feel like I made a real concerted effort after that. And I feel like I've done pretty well. I've only had like two hangovers (laughs) since then. So I feel like I've done a good job, but with the holiday season in full swing, I do imagine I'll be drinking more during the week than I'm used to doing. So maybe I'll establish a no drinking during the work rule for January and see how that goes. But I'd love to hear what you guys are doing for resolutions. Maybe you'll inspire me to create some new goals for myself. So feel free to call into the hotline at 214-620-0473 or email me at info at beckandcallpodcast.com and tell me what you are hoping to do in the new year. Place to stop for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this QA while I'm away on holiday. And as always, if you have more questions for me, please call into the hotline at 214-620-0473 or email info at BeckandcallPodcast.com. Thank you for bearing with me on this kind of short but sweet episode while I'm out. If you want more content, make sure you're following along on Instagram at Beck and Call And you can also follow me at Merit Beck to see what I've been getting into on my travels this past week. Thank you so much again for tuning in and I will catch you guys next week. Bye.